Life happens day to day, and God knows I've been changing with it. We have to, right? We hear a lot about celebrities and the stories of what they've overcome. I wanted to do a show that highlights some of the not-so-well-known overcomers and what can happen if we just keep going. A lover of God, family, ministry, and song, this songbird aims to never be caged by life circumstances. With melodies that refresh the soul, she's on a mission to be herself. Hearing loss, bullying, and anxiety couldn't stop her. She's living life 120%. She is Ariel Rain. So Ariel, I'm so glad to have you on with us today on Just Keep Going. Thank you so much for being on with us. Oh, it's no problem. I'm really, really excited about this. You're like my first interview. All right. So I'm excited. Good. I'm excited too. I really love your show. Um, I love the way you have been doing your new show. Let me just throw that in there right now. Um, Ariel Rain and uh, your music, you sing beautifully. There's definitely an anointing on um, what you're doing. So just tell me a little bit about um, Ariel. Tell me about where you come from. Tell me about what you're doing right now and then we'll go from there. Okay, my name is Ariel Rain. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I'm a singer, a songwriter, an all-around creative. I don't know why on my show, I always tell people what my favorite foods are. So if you ever want to send me a P.O. box, you'll know. Salt and vinegar chips, sour gummy worms, those things. And I love to create um, a mentor, a minister, a sing. I just do it all, so I call myself creative. Nice. Really. Yeah. That's the best way I it. Great. That it's, it's really interesting to hear young people talk about who they are. Um, how old are you, first of all? I'm 22. I turned 23 in May. To have an idea of what you're here for, a sense of purpose and everything at 22 is a big deal. A lot of people don't have that. Um, I was raised in a prophetic church mm-hmm. and had really strong women uh, in my life. And so when I think about my mother and my pastor, and I have like this whole tribe of aunties, you know, like the aunties that you get that aren't blood, but they become so close with your mother, they're your aunties. Mm-hmm. And I was raised by all of them. Everybody had a way to deposit into me how to believe in myself, how to love myself, how to uh, give, but don't, don't give everything. Or when you're dating or dealing with certain guys and just all of this knowledge and wisdom. And so... I can't take any credit for uh, having such a sense of self-purpose when I was so raised in it, especially. (laughs) And with the relationship with God, too. You keep him. He'll guide you in all your ways. That's just the bottom line. I wrote all my songs for that first episode. I wrote all those songs. And I was nervous at first to share them. I was like, oh, my goodness. But everybody liked them, so I was happy about that. (laughs) How, How long have you been writing, Ariel? Since I was about eight, I've always been big. I have a journal right here, like, hello, beautiful day. Like, I've always been a journaler. So it started out as poetry, and then it turned into songwriting. Nice. Now, when did you start singing them for other people? The songs that I wrote, I remember I was nine, and it was like a dedication for the pastor. And I wrote number, it was called Number One Lover. And I was like, God, you are my number one lover, 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 you know, lover, lover, lover. And that was the first time I sang in front of a group of people, one of my own songs. I'm pretty sure they were all ecstatic. 
over the moon. They they hyped me up. You would have thought I won a Grammy or something. No, that song was not it. But it was good for a nine year old. Yes, it was great for a nine year old. Listen, yes. if you are if you are nine and you're writing things and you're singing them in front of people, yes, you get a standing ovation. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. I have a very close knit big family. And like I was saying earlier, I was raised by a lot of people. Like no, my parents really raised me, but I had a lot of people come and nurture me and love on me. I have three brothers. I'm the only girl. And for fifteen years I was the only granddaughter and niece too. So very well taken care of. Uh, but when you're the only girl, you have to take on a lot of responsibility, especially when it comes to your younger siblings. Mm -hmm. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom for like 12 years. And then she went to nursing school and started working at the same time. And so I found myself at like 11 or 12 taking care of my baby brother like in real life, like giving him back and feeding him and helping my other brother. Yes, in real life, like being like a little mini parent. And when you're a kid like that, um, sometimes you could feel like uh, robbed in a way. You're like, oh gosh, I have to be so responsible. But also it made music more of an outlet for me. And so I really cleave to God and I really cleave to music in that time. And I would sing all day and all night. And so my childhood was a lot of fun. I had a lot of cousins. I took care of my brothers, but music and church really saved me during that time when things got hard. But I, we were very well taken care of though. Like I don't remember a thing that um, I couldn't get or a thing that I didn't have. So it, they really taught me to appreciate things and value things and not to be like rotten or like self-righteous in right. those ways, but have a humility. So tell me a little bit about your hearing. It's so funny, when somebody mentions my hearing, I forget that I can't hear. I kid you not. And the people around me do all the time. Um, I've been wearing hearing aids since I was five years old. I'm about to be 23, year, 23 years old this year. Okay. So that's pretty much all my life. All right, so I have bilateral sensorineural hearing loss, which means, and if I'm wrong, that's gonna be so funny because somebody's gonna be like, girl, you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an old condition. Um, sensorineural hearing loss, basically, it's a neurological thing. Something in my middle ear didn't form correctly. And you know, the ears are very delicate. Like there's like three hairs in the ear and if one of them is missing, you're completely deaf. Thank God I have all those hairs but something didn't form right. There's like a nerve issue of some sort. So my hearing loss is mild to moderate. I've lost a little bit of hearing, but that's normal. Everybody loses a certain amount of hearing as they go on. And my hearing aids help me to hear speech. My hearing loss is characterized by not being able to hear people's speech. So without my hearing aids on, everything sounds like this. Okay. You can't really understand. You can't really understand what I'm saying. I can hear you, but I can't really make out words. So whenever I'm watching TV or doing anything like that, I have to have on captions. Okay. And I'm a speech reader. So like even you and I doing this interview right now, even when my hearing aids on, I'm reading your lips. Okay. So living in a mass world after, you know, post COVID, I mean, not post COVID, during COVID, that's been a feat in itself. I'm like, what, huh? What did wow. you say? And the thing about, 
hearing aids too is that if I didn't wear hearing aids, I would have lost a lot of hearing a long time ago. Wearing my hearing aids keeps those parts of my brain active. Okay. So my mom said when I was born, up until when I was seven, I was losing hearing every year. And then once I got to seven years old, it just stayed the same. And it's been the same ever since. When children are growing and they can't hear, they can't hear the way people are saying words. So they have issues with the way they actually formulate and talk themselves. Did you, did you have any issues with that? So my mom said I had my own language when I was a kid. Again, they didn't know I had hearing loss yet, but I used to talk like mama, mama, as a, like a four-year-old little girl. It was a very heavy voice, but I think that's because I could only hear male voices. And growing up, I missed out on certain social cues with my peers, which is why I think also there was a rift like with the bullying. So they would be talking to me and kids don't speak that loud. They stutter, stumble over their words, right. speak really low, talk crazy, whatever they were doing. And so I didn't understand them. I only could really hear the adults. Mm -hmm. So I think it affected me. But also I've always been an advocate since a little as a little kid and really nosy. So I always wanted to know. So I didn't have a problem being like, hey, can you speak up? Hey, can you repeat yourself? What, what did you say? They're like, it's none of your business. Yes, it is my business. What did you say? <laughs> it's my business. So it affected me. But at the same time, God really balances you out. Like I couldn't imagine having my full hearing with my personality. I would know everything. Everything. I would know everything. I would hear everything, know everything. People would be close to me. Oh my goodness. They would have been tired of you. Yes. And I mean, I was always singing too at the top of my lungs. Again, I don't hear it like you guys hear it. So I'm walking through Walmart, you know, la da 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 People are like, oh, I love your voice. I love your voice. Then when I got these hearing aids, like they're newer ones, they're like Bluetooth. They're like the most, one of like the most advanced versions. This is kind of what it looks like. I started singing in the store. I'm like, man, you are loud. <laughs> Everybody can hear you. Everybody. Like my other hearing aids didn't let me know just how much other people could hear me. Right. So I'm a little bit more quiet. I dealt with like a low level of anxiety in childhood. Okay. And the children at school, like when I was growing up, I was bullied pretty bad. Like they bullied me, didn't want to accept me. Like when I was like from kindergarten to second grade, I was in a lot of mixed environments, so dealing with people from all around the world. But when I got to third grade, it was predominantly African-American. And I went to the school, I was the only light-skinned kid in the school. Mm. I kid you not. So they were calling me white girl, white butter biscuit, you know, you should cut your hair. You're not black, you don't belong with us. Wow. So it kind of gave me a identity issue in the sense of I'm going to protect myself and the way I protected myself was by being serious I realized that it was developed through rejection and you know you can talk about me you can talk about the way I look the clothes I wear but you're not going to out mature me that's not going to happen I'm going to always outwit you with my brain I guess that was my thought as a kid and I got along with adults very well but not other kids Never. I didn't get friends until like maybe college. There were times in middle school and high school where I got really angry because I didn't want to have to wear these for the rest of my life. 
because I had to sit at the front of class. I couldn't sit next to doors. When my classmates would interact in class settings, I would miss out on the jokes and the funny parts of things. Like you miss out on that stuff. Like with my hearing loss, I don't hear refrigerators hum, uh, computers buzz. I just realized like a year ago that pop, when it fizzes, it makes noise. I'd never heard it before. Mm. Like somebody wants to open it up next to my ear. So growing up with hearing loss had its challenges, but I never let it stop me because that, that was just me. Like I remember being five years old, getting my first pair of hearing aids. And my mom was sitting there and she was like, you know, Jasmine, how do you feel? How do you feel? I was like, mama, I'm super. I can hear through the walls. <laughs> Reminds me of those videos that we see on, on YouTube. It's real. Like you, you, you're a kid. I've never heard through a door before. And I could hear the other doctor in the other room having a conversation with a different patient. To me, that was super. So my mom said I would go around the house with a little wand. And I would try to transform couches and stuff because I felt like a superhero because I had these hearing aids on. So it just, it really depends on perspective. And I really try to encourage other people who have hearing loss or a disability in general. Like you don't have to let the world put parameters on you. You need to find you. Right. You go as far as you want to go. When I was 16, I had um, a bout of anxiety tried to get me really bad. Like I was having like 10 panic attacks a day just to put it into perspective. And it was a period of, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know if there's a chemical imbalance. I don't know what's going on, but I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't listen to certain music. It was just a time in my life where I literally had to just sit and learn how to meditate and learn how to worship on a different level. Like you can know, you can sing regular songs and do those things. But I really got into prophetic worship. I really got into relationship with God. And I, under, and I began to understand that he's a keeper of us, like really deep down on the inside. And eventually I went from 10 to 9 to 8 to 7 to 6 to 5 to 4 to 3 to 2 to 1. And I don't have panic attacks anymore, thank God. But I was, that was a very scary moment in my life because I thought I was going to go crazy and lose my mind. But God has kept me. Amen. What about, I know that you also auditioned for American Idol. Tell us what it was like and what made you do it? So I auditioned for season three of American Idol. I had always wanted to growing up, but I never like submitted to the shows. I was just like, that seems like a lot of work. You got to think this is me. Like I'm like 19. I don't know how old I was. Right. So I get a DM from a casting producer and they're like, we want you to come audition for American Idol. So they asked me to come audition for them. Okay. And so I went downtown Chicago and auditioned and they said, come audition for the celebrity judges. So I auditioned for the celebrity and judges. I to sing my song, you guys. And I sang my heart out, okay? I gave it all I had. You ever sang from your feet? Like you placed your feet in the ground and you're pulling energy from your feet? That's what I did. And when I was done singing, I almost had tears fall out of both eyes, genuinely, genuinely. And then all of a sudden, I open my eyes and Lionel Richie stands up and he's clapping for me. And I was just like, holy crap, Lionel Richie, the legend, is clapping for me. And the judges like low-key look shocked, I'm not gonna lie. 
And then Lionel Richie was like, you know what? That arrangement, who made that arrangement of that song? And I was like, I did. And he was like, yeah, like no matter where you go or what you do, you're gonna be successful because you just can't teach that. What you just did there, you can't teach that. You can't teach somebody when to go high and low and you just can't teach that. And then Katie said something. She was like, you know, I feel like you reach for every note and she just took a long pause. And we were all trying to figure out like, I'm like, oh, is that good? And she was like, and I think that's a really good thing. And I'm like, amen, right, God bless, that's so good. And then Luke Bryan was like, I don't even have any critiques. That was just awesome. Like, you know, you just killed it. You just came in here and killed it. I can't even say anything to you. It was just amazing. And then they were like, one, two, three. You're going to Hollywood. Ah. And I was like, oh my God. Ah. It was a very fun, very humbling, very, I, sometimes I can't find the words because it was a turning point for me. Hmm. When I ended up getting eliminated in the first round, I realized I let fear and anxiety take away me living in the moment. And I remember I had a conversation with God. I was like, God, I'll never let fear rob me of something that you would have me to do. And from that moment forward, I began to work on my artistry, not for not looking for likes or love from other people, but doing what actually made me happy. Right. And so now I have my own show and I'm on your show. And it's like those processes are necessary for character building. Exactly. So American Idol really built character for me. And that was the best part of that experience. You. What's something that you know that's inside of you that you haven't necessarily utilized as much as you think you may in the future? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. What am I not using? You know, I, I honestly don't know right now. I'm in a season of my life where I'm putting it all out on the table. And so anything that I do have or anything that I don't have, I'm not aware of what I don't and I'm aware of what I do. And I feel like I'm using everything. I do personally want to apply myself more, like push past. I want to make sure that I'm pushing past the comfort zone of things. Mm -hmm. So back in the day or when I was younger, I would do things, but I would kind of stay comfortable. And now it's about being uncomfortable, like going into the unknown much deeper. So I definitely want to give myself more than I have before in my life. So not just 100%, but like 120%. Let's turn it up. Let's go further. But I don't think there's anything that I'm not utilizing at the moment. Why are you trying to go 120 versus 100? What is it that is making you feel that you want to push that hard? Why do you need to go beyond the limits? I think with my generation that we want things to be so microwavable. We don't want to earn it. Um, and I think that, and I'm, I really want to say this in the right way. That's why I'm thinking so hard. Okay. <laughs> I think, um, I really want to see what I'm made of. I don't think I gave myself those opportunities back in the day. Because if I didn't go as hard as I did and I failed, then I, didn't, I just didn't try that hard. But if I try my best and I still fail, I can just get back up. And I, and I know now what I'm made of. Like, you know what I mean? You can learn the lesson if you give it all. You right. can't just give a, a piece 
and then learn the whole lesson. That's not going to work. So in a season and in a confidence and in a humility of knowing that I'm, I can apply myself all the way, whether I get it right or wrong, that doesn't define me. Tell me a little bit about what you would say to someone in their 20s who's maybe not so sure about who they are right now and the direction they're going. There's only one you. God created the mountains, the stars, the sun, the waters, the valleys, and then he created you and said that you were his favorite. And that's something to be discovered, that's something to be developed, and that's something that deserves your time and your love and your patience. Because when you talk about being created by a master, you're a master's piece. And your individuality is truly a gift from God. The hairs on your head, the, the, the fingerprints on your fingers, everything is so individual. So I would just say to try your best to befriend you, to love you, to give yourself compassion, to learn yourself and to just be a friend to you. We only, we spend the most time with ourselves. That's necessary. That's, that's a requirement in my life, but I'm not saying it's a requirement for everybody else. <laughs> but, <laughs> learning, learning you, loving you, being with you, falling in love with yourself, it's a whole process and it's something that's very necessary, very necessary. So if you don't know what your path is, where you're going, I mean, I don't know either, to be honest. I'm figuring it out. My show is called Almost There because sometimes I'm sort of there, maybe there, almost there. Yeah, we're all winging it. Tell me a little about your relationship with God. What, what does being in a relationship with him mean to your life? What does it mean to your life? Everything. God is my everything. I remember um, I was eight years old and I didn't like the dark. And so I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like two in the morning. And my parents, their room was right across the hall from mine. And so there was a little slither of light and my parents were arguing, I guess. They were going back and forth and I heard like my siblings' names. I don't know what was going on. And then for some reason, the enemy really tried to bother me that night, like with uh, oh, you're bullied. Your parents are arguing. It's your fault. Um, it's dark in here. Something's going to get you. Like all these thoughts tried to come. And I remember saying out loud, I was like, and I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. I was crying and everything. And then the sweetest voice, the voice of God, he said, well, I can be your friend. And I'm like, really? And me and God talked all night. I don't remember the specifics of the conversation, but we became best friends that night. And I would take God with me everywhere, like on swing sets and talk to him and talk to him about touching the sky and sing to him songs and dance and just have this really enthralling, very uh, personal relationship. And ever since then, we've been, you know, real thick best friend. So he's father. Sometimes he's teacher. Sometimes he's counselor. Sometimes he's best friend. Sometimes he's audience. <laughs> you know, some it's my relationship with God is um, 
more than I could have ever imagined it would be. And it just keeps growing and getting better as I get older. Let me ask you about all the different things that are going on in society right now. All of the people with, you know, feelings about different ethnicities and all Black Lives Matter and um, the strain and all of the stuff that's going on right now in regards to, I don't usually use the, I don't usually like to use the word race, uh, mm -hmm. races, because to me, we're a human race. So I use ethnicities. I feel as though we are different in ethnicities, but we are the same race. Um, okay. But with all of that going on, as a 22 year old, what is your view about the world and where we're going and what can be your piece to put in it? What will you leave behind in regards to this? I feel like that is the most loaded question. <laughs> um, well. <laughs> well, I am very pro-black, pro-afro, uh, pro women, um, pro-freedom of expression. And I feel like the entire umbrella of everything that's going on, especially with Black Lives Matter and all that Blue Lives Matter stuff, is that I don't think safety should be in question for anybody. I don't care what your background is or where you come from. Why is it not safe? for a young black boy or a young black girl to go outside of their house. Because you know, Trayvon Martin had Skittles. It was Skittles in Arizona, right? Isn't that what he had? Like I, for me, it baffles me how people will go back and forth and argue over somebody's rights or their safety. That is still a concept that doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like I've had some members of my family or friends tell me, hey, that's just the way things are. Like, they shouldn't be. And we should all be actively trying to pursue a way for them not to be that way. Because if all the generations are just saying that's the way things are, then how are things going to change? And I think the first thing we can start doing is telling the truth as a whole. I don't care if you're Black, White, Hispanic, whoever you are. You need to be in the truth of what's actually happening. And I feel like there's a group of people who are in denial. Oh, you guys aren't treated any differently. Um, that's just in your head. You know what I'm saying? Slavery wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Well, blue lives matter. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I've never went to a breast cancer awareness event and been like, what about brain cancer? Right. Like, yes, the problem. But we're talking about breast cancer right now. Can can they have their moment? Right. Can we give people their moment? And I honestly think it's a lack of respect. Nobody respects anybody. Um, and so I pride myself on being respectful, on being loving, and on sharing, and doing my best to tell the truth completely and wholly. And I want to leave behind a legacy of pure, genuine love for people no matter where they come from or no matter their background. I don't care where you come from, what you believe in or any of those things. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you. And you don't always have to agree, 
but I'm not going to stand for your disagreement coming against the rights of those who deserve to have rights. And that's everybody. I don't care who you are. You can't say that you love me and then uh, completely go against me having the right to be safe or the people around me to be safe. So I hope that made sense, but absolutely, they really get me with that stuff sometimes. Yeah. Like y'all are arguing over a child getting some Skittles. Well, I want to thank you for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to all the wonderful things that you're going to continue to do. Why don't you tell everyone where they can see your show and what time before we get off? Okay, so you can see my show, Ariel Rain Almost There, on KP Media TV Network every Monday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. All the other time zones, you have to check your local, local listings for that. But mine is Mondays, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, every Monday. Um, if you follow me on Instagram at Ariel Rain Music, the link in my bio shows you how to download it, where to find me, all the information that you'll be looking for. And if you have any questions, concerns, or anything like that, feel free to DM me there. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. You were a lot of fun and <laughs> and you're a really great listener, active, like an active listener. I loved it. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of Just Keep Going. If you'd like, you can find more of this interview at toyahawkins.com.